This is Talking Business. I'm joined now by Matthew Boat, who's the Chief Operating Officer at Cambridge Lifestyle Services. G'day, Matthew. How are you going, Alan? Um, now, you've only recently joined Cambridge. Cambridge, I think, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is a, a fairly long-standing uh, mortgage broker and property developer, and uh, they've just started something called Cambridge Lifestyle Services, which is uh, designed to be a build-to-rent uh, operator in Australia as opposed to just build apartments to be sold individually. That's right. So I started off um, as uh, their legal counsel. Um, I've uh, had over 25 years working for banks and property clients around the world. I've been very lucky to have worked in London and Hong Kong and the Cayman Islands. And ironically for our listeners, I worked in the aviation industry for about uh, 10 years. So um, recently I joined as COO of Cambridge and uh, what attracted me, Alan, was the vision of becoming the dedicated build-to-rent operator in Australia. And by build-to-rent, I mean a model whereby you have a company funded by an institution or a pension fund um, holding uh, apartments in large-scale projects long-term. And the advantage of of doing this is that it allows tenants long-term security of tenancies. Yeah, so it was only kind of a few years ago I I found out that most apartments that are built in the US and in Europe are build-to-rent. That is to say, institutions own them and they rent them out. Um, institutions own the whole thing, a whole apartment block as, a, as an investment and they rent them out. Whereas in Australia, it's, it's all uh, developers sell, them, sell the apartments individually. And I guess that's because of negative gearing in this country, right? Well, that's right. Negative gearing certainly is, um, has been encouraging that sector. But if you look at the institutional investment play, uh, up to 25% of institutional property money in the United States is in built to rent, which is only second to... Uh, office and commercial space. Um, in Australia, it's zero. Um, there's a number of factors. There's some GST and land tax issues. But if we look at the UK in the last 10 years, they've overcome that hurdle. And that's uh, the government has changed in the UK purely because of the demand from the public that they want this um, uh, rental product. So what what, uh, what what tax changes did they make in the UK that, that we would need to make here? They dropped the VAT. So equivalent here is land tax. So the issue, of course, uh, if you have a block of apartments owned by 100 individual mum and dad owners, there's no land tax for that complex. Whereas if you have a one uh, owner, that uh, corporate would be um, hit by land tax across all 100 apartments. Well, of course, if the individuals own them as rental properties, they'd be paying land tax, I suppose, wouldn't they? Well, that's, that's right. So look, I think... Um, the advantage of um, the build-to-rent model, it's not really about affordable housing, although that is part of the sector. It's more about, uh, certainly in the UK and the large US cities, about encouraging key workers uh, to get into uh, the city. So we're talking about you know, essential services such as police, teachers, nurses, who simply can't afford to buy um, apartments in those cities are looking for long-term rental security. So at Cambridge, we've, we've decided to take this to the next level by providing a premium service level. And by that, I mean additional services. Not only will Cambridge manage the, the rental, um, look after the facilities of making sure the premises are clean, but it's really the, the premium leasing product. So, for instance, these are developments that we're, we're looking to fund ourselves as well as other developers around Australia will have premium services such as 24-7 security, concierge, um, child mining services, the ability to work from home through office spaces, and it's really about building a community environment. Right. So... Um uh, as you said before, it's zero at the moment, bill to rent. Do, I mean, how, how are you going to make it 
get to above zero. I mean, well, that's, is it, that's is the it, challenge. But I think, look, it's the way... Don't you, need a, but don't you need tax changes to make that happen? We do. We look at tax changes. I mean, certainly the Labor government before the election said that they would um, help level the playing field as far as foreign investment. Um, I, I see the coalition will probably do that at some point as well. And, um, you know, if you look at the way... Um, Uber and other car riding services have been uh, accepted in Australia. Um, built to rent will be the same product. The the public will demand um, this um, additional housing product. Yeah, right. I was trying to work out whether the election result was good for you or bad for you because um, obviously the Labor Party was proposing to confine negative gearing to um, to new properties. Uh, as opposed to existing ones. And I kind of figured, I thought, well, actually that would probably increase the demand for individual ownership of apartments since uh, those who were looking for negative gearing couldn't do it with existing properties. So they'd have to, they'd, so they'd be, you know, in for new ones all the time. And uh, so it might push you out. No, look, I think um, there's, there's both there's both ways of looking at it. But, you know, I think with the, um, even with negative gearing, there, there'll still be a push by um Millennials to uh, enjoy the security of having a long-term tenancy in place. So you're not going to have your mum and dad invest a turf you out because they want to renovate or sell the property. These are long 20, 30, 40-year leasing arrangements whereby tenants can come in, rent for 12 months, two years, up to 10 years, whatever it might be, and have the flexibility to move around within developments around the country without breaking a, a lease. And, and, and tapping in, as I said, to the, the services that are provided. So with um, institutionally owned um, blocks of flats, are you saying that you could have long-term leases like 10-year leases or something? Yeah, absolutely. Do people do that absolutely. In, in other countries? Absolutely. If you look at um, in, in Europe, for instance, or, or Hong Kong um, or parts of America, no one ever says to you, Alan, do you own this apartment or do you rent it? Um, in Australia, it's a bit of a stigma if you're renting. But 30% of the population rents. So um, I think that the whole dream of owning your home and and, and, um, and living that lifestyle, that, that dream has become um, beyond many people, particularly the millennials. And so I think they're going to opt in for having a apartment complex which provides all the services. They'll be able to open their front door electronically through their apps, um, have their groceries delivered, have 24-7 security, have concierge, have shared riding facilities, be able to work from home. Um, tap into the network. If you want to do karate or piano lessons, there'll be somebody within the the, the um, office, or, or sorry, in the, in the apartment complex who will be able to provide those services. So I think that's where the demand will come through, the ability to have that flexibility. So it's kind of seeing housing as a service rather than something you own. Oh, absolutely. And um, I, I think if you look at the models in, the, in Europe in particular and the UK, um, there's no reason why that won't follow in Australia. So, so what do you have to do to make it happen here? I mean, what what, what are you working through in the, in, the, in the months you've been you've been doing this? Well, we're currently um, we're talking to a lot of uh, institutional lenders, and there is a there's a big demand for it. Um, I think many are sitting on the sidelines, waiting for the government to make these uh, necessary changes. And certainly, the Property Council of New South Wales and Victoria are pushing hard to level the playing field. And as I said, much of the way that the UK has gone, uh, Australia will uh, inevitably uh, allow build to rent product to get up and running. And, and once it gets um, established, then the institutional money will flow. So is the number one thing you need to have land tax removed from institutional ownership of, um, of apartment blocks? It's um, it's not critical. It's certainly with Cambridge, with our product, um, we're confident we can still get the yield returns um, which are requested and required by the institutions. Um, but it would certainly, uh, I guess, accelerate the process of having 
land tax reduced and the GST component looked at. So, I mean, you're saying that are any of the tax uh, reforms that you're looking for, are they necessary? I mean, can you get build-to-rent off the ground in Australia without there being some ta- some tax changes? Um, it's a challenge. A couple of the major um, developers have have tried. Uh, it's it's a difficult concept, uh, particularly in the inner CBD. So that's why our products at Cambridge are looking at the outer rim. So we're focusing on northwest where you have, uh, I guess, cheaper land and, and cheaper um, construction costs. But the industry as a whole, if you look at the US model, that's where it started. It started out in the suburbs and, and moved its way into the cities. And, and certainly, um, I think the government will have pressure um, from the community as well as uh, institutions to park that money into build to rent. Because certainly, Australian super funds, as far as I'm aware, do actually invest in build to rent overseas. And there's no reason why they shouldn't be doing the same in Australia. Yeah, but the way that they'd need to fund it, in a way, to, to remove those taxes would be uh, would be changing negative gearing, and they're not going to do that because nobody wants to do that. Yeah, look, I, I think it'll coexist with negative gearing. That, that will still always, negative gearing will always um, be a part of the Australian psyche um, whilst it's here. But we're, we're talking about, um, uh, I guess, a model which in Australia will eventually allow people the flexibility to move within almost like a hotel-type complex um, around Australia. Yeah, we've, look, we've, we've been talking for years, possibly decades in Australia about, you know, when will we get to a point where they are in the Euro- in Europe in particular, in the UK and uh, and to some extent the US, where home ownership is not the great Australian dream and everyone kind of accepts uh, renting without the stigma. Um, and I guess that's what you need to happen in a way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's much the same way that, um, you know, everyone said to have, you know, lives to buy a car. Um Nowadays, younger people are saying, well, actually, do I actually need to own a car? I'll just catch an Uber. It's very simple. Um, and much the same way with renting, people probably don't want to have to be locked into um, uh, tenancies. They like the flexibility. They um, they may not want to put their money into uh, property to buy. Uh, they'd rather spend their money on Bitcoin or uh, investments and, and listen to you for uh, share advice. <laughs> Well, uh, that's that's good. That'd be good if they did that. And um, uh, I suppose the other thing is that um, uh, it's home ownership is difficult these days for millennials and young people to save the deposit. Uh, we've just got the new first home buyers scheme, uh, where the government's going to let you buy a house with just five percent deposit. But that's only going to be ten thousand people, so it'll pretty quickly run out. Yeah, it will. And and as I said, there'll be there's a whole um, uh, segment of the community that. Um, is, I think, locked out um, of buying into a, a property, a particular apartment in uh, Sydney. And if you look at the cost of apartments uh, and the wage growth, uh, I can't see that gap being um, reduced. So, you know, I think there will be a demand for that build-to-rent product. And, and yes, the, the government will at a state and federal uh, level need to make some adjustments, but I think the pressure will come um, to, at a time when they'll have to do that. And then once that happens, then uh, the foreign investment and the local banks... Um, we'll be very active in the built-to-rent market. And if you look at it, um, you know, even at 1% of that um, housing market equates to, you know, a couple of billion dollars. So it's a, it will potentially be a very large um, sector. Yeah, and I suppose what you're saying is that um, if you've got a long-term secure lease, then it doesn't matter whether you own it or not, that um, it's fine. Yeah, and, you know, I just want to emphasize too, it's, it's about having a quality product. So, you know, this is stuff that's meant to last, you know, 20, 30 years. So, uh, it's not the affordable housing model per se. It will be um, built to specific standards of, of being able to last. So you'll have hard floorings, uh, European appliances, 
um, pretty much um, at a level that uh, it's almost like a hotel, to be honest. You'll have 24-7 concierge services. And we think that the way that millennials will go and, and people downsizing is they'll, they'll like the flexibility of being um, in, a, in an Uber somewhere, um, being able to open up their app, turn on their air conditioning, have their um, groceries delivered into their electronic front doors, into um, you know fridge drawers within their apartments. It'll be a lifestyle service, and and things like you know dry cleaning services that you know no one washes in the U.S. For instance, particularly in New York, and there'll come a time when the same will apply in Australia because on a scale you'll simply outsource all of these um, services. Sounds good to me, and I'm a baby boomer, so. Um... Yeah. <laughs> Why sign? Absolutely. So, yeah, we're looking at both ends of the spectrum, um, millennials as well as um, at, at the other end. And, and dare I say, at the other end, uh, for our listeners, you know, these services um, will have, you know, things like registered nurses and the technology is so advanced now that you'll have heart rate monitoring um, built within the um, apartment complex. And um, it, it's almost a it's almost like a position where before you go into aged care, you can stay in one of these apartments and, and be looked after. Great to talk to you, Matthew. Thank you. Very interesting. Thanks, Alan. I've been talking to Matthew Bode, who is the Chief Operating Officer of Cambridge Lifestyle Services.